0: Hello, welcome to Mule Mountain Messages, inspiration and exhortation from God's personal letter to us all the Holy Bible, brought to you from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren, located at 201 Arizona Street in the Warren District of Historic Bisbee, Arizona. If you're searching for a church home, I would like to personally invite you to come and worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings for prayer and Bible study at 5.30. We would be excited to have you come and join our family. If you have prayer requests or comments on the sermon, you can email us at communitychurchofwarren at gmail.com. Again, communitychurchofwarren at gmail.com. Or you can send us a card or a letter to P.O. Box 4024 bisbee arizona 85603 again p.o box 4024 bisbee arizona 85603 thank you for listening and blessings to you all all right anybody here ever heard of a guy named albert einstein i hope so so einstein is traveling uh from Princeton on a train one time. And, and the conductor came down the aisle punching the tickets like they would do. And, and when he came to Einstein, Einstein reached in his pocket and vest and he couldn't find his ticket. So he's looking in his pants and all that. He looked, he looked in his briefcase, he couldn't find it. Then he looked in the seat beside him and he still couldn't find it. The conductor said, you know, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are and I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded appreciatively and then the conductor continued down the aisle, punching his tickets. And then as he's ready to move the next car, he looked back and he saw Einstein, the great physicist, down on his hands and knees, looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I said, I know who you are. It's no problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. Einstein looked at him and said, young man, I too know who I am. But what I don't know is where I'm going. And so, um, and Billy Graham told that story uh, to remind folks that yes, not only uh, do we know who we are? But as believers in Jesus Christ, we know where we're going. We don't have to fear that. And, and uh, so that's going to be kind of the theme of today. You can tell we're not back in uh, Luke yet, uh, but um, it'll, I felt led I needed to share this today. So in 1933, the United States was in the grips of the Great Depression the unemployment rate was about 25 percent. By comparison today's unemployment rate is 3.8 percent. The economic growth rate in 1932 was a, a negative negative 13 percent. It contracted 13 percent. Today we're growing at about 2.4 percent. It's not great but it's not negative either. The numbers in 1932 were staggering and quite frankly it paralyzed the nation fear began to grip the populace after all it just wasn't too long before this time that the u.s. was in the middle of the roaring 20s good times for the most part were had by all the great war world war one the war to end all wars was over But these good times didn't last. The financial sector disintegrated. People were committing suicide. People were thrown out of work. There was no social safety net as there is today. People begged, borrowed, and stole to feed their families. Because of our age group in this this, uh, room in our church here, there was a song that came out that some of you may be familiar with. You may not have actually heard it at the time, but you may have heard about it, was that song, Brother Can You And that was a, a song that reflected the uncertainty of the time and the hardness of the time. All of this upheaval created a fear in the American psyche. And you know, fear can be very paralyzing either as an individual or as a nation. I mean, this is very silly in comparison, but we all remember the great toilet paper shortage of Ot 20, right? Where people were so afraid that they were going to be out of toilet paper that they filled their garages to the ceilings. That's one of the great mysteries. Why was there a run-on toilet paper? I don't know but it goes to show how fear skews rational thought. So in the atmosphere of this unemployment, a terrible economy, a damaged national psyche, a growing fear that newly elected Franklin Delano Roosevelt in his first inaugural address uttered one of his more famous quotes. He said, so first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. He realized that if the fear spreading across the land was not stopped, That if hope was not restored, it would, as he said, paralyze the needed efforts to convert the retreat into an advance. The nation could not go forward and began to heal if it was in the grips of fear. Fear paralyzes. We see in the Bible that there was a whole generation of Israelites who were denied entry into the promised land because of the fear of 10 spies. And that fear spread to the whole Israelite camp. Fear spreads further and faster than optimism. Try being the only optimist in the midst of a group of pessimists. You'll get shut down quick just like Joshua and Caleb did. So why am I spending all this time talking about fear? Well, I recently read an article that struck a note with me, that that really struck a nerve with me. And in this uh, article, it talked about a study of Protestant pastors in which they said... uh, 69 percent, almost 70 percent of these pastors said they believe there is a growing sense of fear within their congregations about the future of the nation. 63 percent said they have a similar increasing dread specifically about the future of Christianity in the U.S. and around the world. Now, the survey didn't outline why people were afraid or what it was that was causing believers to fear, not only for the country, but for Christianity in itself. But I think we can guess. I think we can guess. Uh, Perhaps we haven't really recovered psychologically from the, the COVID pandemic. We look around and we see upheaval in our government institutions. We see both sides lobbying accusations against each other. Both sides fiddling while people feeling like Rome is burning. There is great trepidation about the economy. Inflation, cost of gas and food. And ask a young person, ask them, do you think social security is gonna be there for you? I bet you a lot of them are gonna say nope. And then ask anyone from any party what they've done to fix Social Security. I don't know. As believers, we see celebrations of lifestyles that go against biblical norms. We see children under attack and from different all different areas. You know, where most European, most European countries are scaling back this trans nonsense for minors, here in the United States, we're going full speed ahead. We see a, a, a hypocrisy or whatever, a paradox that preteen minors are not mature enough to own a gun and maybe they aren't. Makes sense Sometimes but they're mature enough to decide to permanently mutilate their bodies. And hospitals are raking in the dough. We've seen in the last few years riots across our nation. Our immigration system, again, both parties doing nothing and is broken or non-existent. Crime has skyrocketed. Drug deaths number in the hundreds of thousands. Homelessness caused by mental issues or drug issues is growing. And it always seems that there's someone to protest a common sense solution. We see Satan clubs coming to the school near you. We see Christ and Christianity. Traditional families and fatherhood attacked and mocked by the entertainment world and everyone else that's not a Christian. Communist totalitarian China is ascending, is threatening. Russian aggression is bringing back talk about the specter of nuclear war and believers are persecuted around the world. And I could go on, but I'm depressed enough already. But when we see this day in and day out, it can be overwhelming. And so it's no wonder that people are fearful. Now, I'll tell you about my own personal, what I've discovered about myself. Because at a time, I used to be very politically minded. There wasn't a day that wouldn't go by that I'd listen to at least a little bit of talk radio. But I noticed that the more I listened to that, the further away I got from God. And God made it very clear that, you know, if you're going to spend time, spend time in your word with me or spend time listening to people talking about me, sharing about me, Bible studies. Boy, it made a whole world of difference in my life. But with all this, it's no wonder that people are fearful. But as believers in Jesus Christ... Should we be fearful? Several years back here, I preached a sermon series I called Radical Christianity. The main idea of which was as Christians, we should do the radically different thing and believe and be obedient to God's word, the Bible. Even if for some reason it didn't make sense to us. And as I looked over the article, I thought, man, this is one of those times that's uh, with everything going on that calls for radical Christianity. Scripture is clear that fear is not in a Christian's job description. There are literally hundreds of scripture admonitions about fear, and they usually fall in one or two categories fear God. Good, but don't fear man. Fearing man is bad. And I got a news flash for you. All the stuff that's going on in the world. It didn't take God by surprise. None of it. In fact, in our New Testament scripture passage today, Jesus even warns us what will happen, that it's going to happen. Be ready, look for it. He was very clear. He said there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines. There will be pestilence or disease. There will be earthquakes, natural disasters. Nations will rise up against nations. Kingdoms against kingdoms. False prophets, persecution, lawlessness, and a falling away of believers. Yet, he says, he who endures to the end will be saved. That is an unequivocal statement. And that the gospel will be preached to all the world. But at the very beginning of all that, Jesus said this See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. Get that. See that you're not troubled. He tells us two things. That it has to and will happen. And don't be afraid when it does. And he reiterates this in John chapter 14 when he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I am going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again to receive you to myself. And then, as people like to say nowadays, he doubles down. John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives, So don't be troubled or afraid. So here he's telling us to not only not be troubled, but not to be afraid. But he's also saying, regardless of all the stuff that's going on around us, we can have peace of mind in our hearts. We can have it. We can have that peace through it all. In Hebrews, we are encouraged says let your conduct be without covetousness be content with such things as you have for he himself has said i will never leave you nor forsake you and we read that in our old testament it's a common theme throughout scripture so we may boldly say not meekly he says we may boldly say the lord is my helper i will not fear what can man do unto me It's radical Christianity. Believing these words and being obedient to them and acting on them. Okay, well, that's all well and good. It's good to hear. But the reality is is how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we get to that point where we can look at the storms around us and say, I'm not going to be afraid? I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to be radically obedient to the call of Christ in my life. How do I do that? Well, as in everything, we go to the word of God, right? And one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Colossians chapter three. And it starts like this. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. In other words, if you're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, your focus should be on Christ. Honoring him, obeying him, thinking of our heavenly home of which we are citizens, and not dwelling on the garbage going on here. Now we can't. We're not called to exclude ourselves. We're not called to, you know, we're in the world. We're not of the world. So we know what's going on. And we engage as God calls us. But we cannot be chicken littles. The sky is falling. Because God is in control of our lives. And God is in control. God has a plan. We think on Christ and we can have peace and joy. Or we can focus on and dwell on the things in the world and be filled with fear and anxiety. So as I kind of cruise into the end here, I wanna read to you Colossians chapter three, verses five through 17. Because the prescription of what I'm talking about lies in here. So it starts, it says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now, you yourselves are to put off. Now, those first things, we might look at those and say, "Eh, you know, I'm not in into all that. But he goes on. He says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So in other words, he gives these examples, but this is the examples that he gives. He shows that this is a life that is led by the flesh. And we're told in Galatians to walk in the spirit. He goes on. He says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. He's saying, we put off all this stuff when we became a believer. Let's don't put it back on. Instead, he says, put on these things. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. So see, if you... Do this, you put on these tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and then above all, love, the bond of perfection. Then you can have that peace of God ruling in your heart. And you can be thankful. And here, let the word, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So he's saying here, let the word of Christ, get God's word in your heart. Let it dwell and live in your heart. And then he says, teaching and admonishing one another. We're not called to walk this walk alone but we're to be together in fellowship with fellow believers so we can encourage each other and build each other up, lift each other. And if someone's in fear, we can say, hey, you don't have to be in fear. God's got it. God's got your back. And it says, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what I'd ask you to do this week is on your own. Read Colossians 3, especially 5 through 17. But read it all. It's all good. Read it on your own. Think on it. Meditate on it. And remember, as you look at the news and you see everything that goes on, fear for Christians is not in our job description. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you teach us. Father, there are so many Scriptures. I would never have time to go through it all where you tell us to fear not. You tell us to put on this bond of love. Father, you tell us to love one another, to not be fearful. You tell us that you are with us always, that you'll never forsake us. You tell us to be of good courage. And Father, you knew what day and time we'd be living in. And yet through it all, we can have that Peace. And we can have that joy. And Father, we can be used of you to reach this world where they don't have peace. And they don't have joy. And so, Father, help us to meditate on your word this week. To think of these things this week, Lord God. And Father, help us to walk in the joy and in the victory and in the peace. And not to have fear, Lord God. But when we fear coming on, when we see that, Lord, help that to automatically trigger in us the fact that we are your children, that we are followers of you. And Lord, if anyone here has not given their heart to you, I pray that they would do so now so that they can have that same peace and that promise of peace. This promise is for those who have given their hearts to you. If you're in the world, you can only have the world, the peace that the world gives. But I know that you, Lord Jesus, are waiting with your arms wide open to receive any who come to you. And I thank you for that. And I praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord, in the name of Christ, Amen.